helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. I want to thank you for joining us on this episode of the Life Transformation Show. Today's show is part two of how to turn your shyness into confidence. In last week's show, I used the story of King Saul's inauguration as king to provide a foundation for what we will be discussing today. In that show, I looked at five preliminary steps for overcoming shyness. If you missed last week's show, you could listen to it by going to our YouTube channel and searching for it by name. In this week's show, I will detail more specifically strategies for overcoming shyness. The steps in this episode are specific and detailed and take time and effort, but it is what is needed to overcome shyness. If you're looking for a quick fix, like a show that say how to get over your shyness in 24 hours, then this is not the show for you. However, if after listening to last week's show where I detailed the serious negative impacts of shyness, if you have listened to that show and you are saying to yourself, I need to change, I don't want to continue to miss out on opportunities for promotion, I don't want to miss out on opportunities for relationship, I don't want to miss out on opportunities for promotion, I need to change, then this show is for you. When it comes to quick fixes, the truth is that none of those quick fixes for shyness really works. Getting over shyness will take time and effort. Let me just explain a little bit by what I mean by getting over shyness. Getting over shyness doesn't mean that you're going to become an extrovert. An extrovert. You can be introverted and confident. By overcoming shyness, I am talking about overcoming the fear element of shyness that prevents you from going after the things you desire in life, things such as relationships, promotion, social involvement, and so forth. And the strategies that I will be referring to today is taken from cognitive behavior therapy, commonly known as CBT. CBT is often represented by a triangle with behavior at one axis at the triangle, feeling at the other, and thoughts at the third. And the premise of cognitive behavior therapy is that thoughts, feelings, and actions interact with each other to determine a person, to determine a person's emotional state. For example, if a person thinks negatively about themselves and, and others and behaves in a self-isolating way, they will tend to feel lonely and depressed. The opposite is also true. A person who thinks positively 
and engages in life and with their community will generally feel connected and more optimistic about their life. Simply put, negative thoughts and actions produce negative feelings, whereas positive thoughts and actions produce positive feelings. In working with clients to bring about change, CBT therapists are cognizant of the fact that we cannot change the way a person feels directly. So those of you who are telling uh, friends to stop being depressed, it doesn't work. No one would choose to be depressed if they can help it. So we don't ask people, clients of ours, to change their feelings. But what we do in helping them is to help them to begin to change their negative thoughts and actions, and by doing so, indirectly change the way they feel. In dealing with shyness, we are going to be using the same principle. We can't say to you, stop being shy, because that doesn't work. But we can use principles that will modify your thoughts and your actions, and over time, the shyness will go away. So let's use an example to illustrate what I have been saying so far about thoughts, feelings, and actions. John is at a Christmas party, and he stands in the corner by himself. He's thinking to himself, I look like such a fool standing here alone, but he is too shy to interact with his co-workers and their family members. John says to himself again, I should not have let them talk me into coming to this party. I know it was going to be a disaster. So John ruminates on these negative thoughts. He begins to feel increasingly anxious to the point where he can feel his heart pounding and his hands becoming hot and sweaty. John did not initiate any conversation for the entire evening. And when his friends Susie and Rick tried to spark a conversation with him, his shyness resulted in in him giving one-word answers that made them feel he was not interested in talking with them. Were you able to identify the, the three areas of CBT in this brief story of John? One, his thoughts. His thoughts were negative. He's saying to himself, I look like such a fool standing here. I should not have come. I know it was going to be a disaster. Those are negative thinking. His behavior was also negative. He's standing by himself. He's isolated. He's repeating to others in one-word answers, and these actions do not generate uh, conversations or inter- or positive interactions with others. And his feelings, as a result, turned out to be negative as well. Notice he started feeling anxious. He was experiencing anxiety symptoms. His heart was pounding. He had sweaty, sweaty hands as well, sweaty palms as well. So in helping John, 
the approach would not be to tell him that there is no reason for him to be anxious at a gathering of co-workers and friends. On the other hand, the approach would be to devise CBT strategies that would help him to change his thoughts and, in, and, and his actions in a way that would cause him to become more confident over time. In this part two of the series, we will be looking at strategies to turn your shyness into confidence. So the first step in overcoming your shyness is to explore the roots of your shyness. Your shyness has a root cause. It's not hereditary. You weren't born that way. For some people, the root of their shyness can be linked back to how they were treated by early authoritative figures in their lives, people such as parents, older relatives, and the teachers. Maybe you were called stupid by your parents or told you were too chubby by an aunt or an uncle. These things affect your confidence affects how you see yourself. And many people who are shy are carrying these emotional wounds from their childhood. For others, the root of their shyness may be being teased by peers because they were somehow different. For example, children who go through puberty early or later are often bullied and teased by their peers. This unfavorable treatment by others affects their self-esteem and makes them lack confidence in social gatherings. For others, the root of the shyness may be as a result of specific events such as their parents divorcing, or having to move a lot as children when they were children, or repeating a grade, for example. The instability and the conflict of many divorces can affect children's self-esteem and their self-worth. And we also know that for children who move a lot, the changes, the, the upheavals that happen can create high-stress situations that make children, after a while, associate meeting people with stress in the future. And the reason for this is that if you are making friends and every time that you make a friend, you have to move and it results in you being the new kid in the new school who has been teased or bullied, then you may not want to make friends anymore because making a friend is now associated with leaving the friend and the negative emotions that come with that. And so now that you have identified, or I should say after you have identified the root of your shyness, this, the, the, the principle or the, the way to heal that is to go back to rescue and heal that younger part of yourself. Now, this may seem very complicated, but it's actually very simple and it's something that we do a lot in our healing retreats. So this can be done in two ways. 
The first way is to invite Jesus into the root cause of your shame. Maybe it's this incident where you were ridiculed and called a fool uh, by, by some authority figure. Maybe it was a teacher or a coach, and you are carrying this pain with you. Go back in your memory, and can you see where Jesus is in that situation? Can you invite Jesus in to that moment of your shame and your hurt? After doing that, think, what is it that you can hear Jesus saying to you? What words of comfort may he be using to you in that moment where you're hurting as a young child. We know that Jesus was very protective of children, and he said, suffer the little children to come unto me. And he also talked about people, the, the, the punishment that would be meted out to people who cause harm to children. So Jesus wants to help you get over that root cause of your shame. So invite him into it and talk to him about how you feel and listen to what he is saying to you. The second strategy is for you to nurture your younger hurting self. Go back in time as an older, wiser person. What would you say to the younger you who is feeling less than who is feeling worthless because they have been told that they are worthless. What would you say to help that child to build self-esteem and to understand that they have work? Now, these may seem like very simple principles, but they are very powerful principles. It takes a little bit of imagination, and I would say maybe a lot of prayer as you go into doing these exercises, but they are very powerful and can bring about change. The second step is to document your current thoughts, feelings, and actions. Write down how you think when you were at that latest event where you were very shy and anxious. Write down how you feel, what was going on in your body. Maybe you were having thoughts like, everyone is noticing how weird I look, or I am making such a fool of myself. Or maybe you're thinking people can see me sweating and they notice my hand shaking. Eventually, you will be using CBT tools to challenge these thoughts to see if they are rational or not. And I'll talk about those tools in a little while. But let me share research that was done by Kimberly McEwen of the University of Calgary. What she showed in her research of studying people who are shy is that shy people tend to exaggerate how they are seen by others. In other words, they tend to have a false perception of how others see them while they're in an environment where they're shy. Her, her research shows that their shyness symptoms are not as noticeable to others as they may think. So it is common for some of my clients to tell me that their co-workers all 
all say that they are good public speakers, even though they dread speaking in public and feel like they're making a fool of themselves. So in other words, their co-workers who are looking at them giving the presentation actually think that they're doing a good job. But these clients of mine inside, they're feeling as if they're making a fool of themselves. In last week's show, we used the example of King Saul, who was shy to the point that he was hiding at his inauguration ceremony to be the first king of Israel. But however, as we said in last week's show, when Saul finally stood in front of the vast crowd, the author of the book of Samuel tells us that what stood out about King Saul was the fact that he was much taller than everyone else. The author didn't say his palms were sweating or that he was trembling. Instead, he took the podium and his stature of confidence was what others saw. So begin to challenge your thoughts and your feelings about how you are perceived by others. Start by writing out the details of how you feel, how you think, and how you act. Michael will be right back. You have been listening to the Life Transformation Show, where award-winning psychotherapist Michael Hart Healing Counseling Services has continued to use 1 Samuel 10 to speak on the topic, How to Turn Your Shyness into Confidence, Part 2. You can find out more about us at elimcounselingministry.com or by calling 1-877-204-2914, where you can also make a donation to this Christ-centered ministry. Your donations help us to stay on the air and to provide subsidized counseling to those who can't afford it. Back to Michael. The next step is to rate the intensity of your feelings. Ask yourself this question. On a scale of 0 to 10, with 0 being no emotion and 10 the most intense emotion, how would you rate how you feel in the situation? If Saul were to rate his anxiousness, he would probably give it a 10 out of 10. Given the fact that he was hiding at a time he was supposed to be sworn in, as king. This would be like someone getting married and not turning up on the day of their marriage, of their wedding, because they are so anxious. So Saul was probably a 10 out of 10. And so rate your the intensity of your feelings and your emotions, because as you go through this, these strategies, you will find that the, the, the intensity will begin to change over time. The fourth step is to begin to challenge your negative self-talk. This is where the CBT principles come in. And if you have missed some of our earlier shows that deal with this topic, helpful 
shows that would help you with that would be Six Ways to Tame Your Inner Critic. It's on our YouTube channel. And also Beyond Limits Part 1 and 2. Make sure you listen to those podcasts as well because it goes into much more detail. Those shows goes into much more detail than I have time here for today. So let's go back to John as we illustrate this point. John is feeling that he's looking like a fool at the party. That feeling may be entirely irrational. Often shy people suffer from what we call the spotlight effect. They feel as if at the gathering, everyone is looking at them like they're on stage and there is a spotlight shining on them and they're being watched like everyone is looking at someone on stage. The truth is that people are so focused on having conversations and having fun at social gatherings that they are not focused on any one person. They may intermittently notice John, but they would not know if he had just ended a conversation with someone else. But to John, all he can think of is Everyone is looking at me and they notice I am alone and they're making a fool of myself. So there are helpful tools that you can use that will help you to begin to challenge your negative self-talk. One is our cognitive reconstruction sheet. This sheet has many different sections that take you through a process to help you to look at the evidence for how you think, but also the evidence against how you may be thinking of the situation. If you would like to have a copy of this sheet, just reach out to us and we would be happy to email that sheet to you free of cost. The second uh, principle that you can use is what I called what is called the objective third-party view. So in other words, ask yourself, what would an objective third-party say of my situation? And you can also get get a a third-party view by asking someone you trust, how do they see you? What did they think of you when you gave that speech? What What did they think of you at the Christmas gathering. And oftentimes what you will hear from this objective third-party view is that you were not that conspicuous as you may think and that others didn't notice anything strange about you. So these sheets such as the cognitive reconstruction sheet and the objective third-party principle are tools that will help you. The third tool that will be helpful is to for you to create a self-affirmation list. Write down at least 20 positive things about yourself and read that list first thing in the morning and before you go to bed at night. And in case you might be thinking that this is pride and you don't want to do that, let me tell you that God affirms you. God tells you that you are a royal priesthood, that you're, that, that you're specially and wonderfully created. So learn to affirm yourself. Jesus also tells us to love our neighbor as ourself. In that statement, there is a presumption that you love yourself. These self-affirmation statements will help you to develop healthy self-love. The fifth 
point is for you to divide your goals into manageable segments. So, for example, if Saul wanted to speak at his inauguration ceremony, he may break down his goal goals like this. He can start by saying, uh, I'm going to speak at the ceremony. What you could do is to, res- is to rehearse a speech in front of a mirror to start with. So you could spend the first week just re- rehearsing his speech in front of a mirror. The second week, he takes it a step further where he presents his speech in front of a family member. And he does that several times that second week until he's comfortable. Then he goes to the third step, which is a little bit more difficult, to present the speech in front of a small group of family members and friends. Notice that each step is a little bit more difficult. Then the fourth week, Saul could prepare, say, a speech in front of a larger group of family members and friends. And the fifth week, he could now deliver his inauguration speech without feeling nervous and overwhelmed. So break down your goals into manageable step. Think about something you can do and start with that and make it progressively difficult. And if you want to, to me to say more, to, to, to hear more about that, if it's not very clear because I'm limited for time here, you could give us a call and I'll be happy to instruct you further with that. And the sixth and final principle is for you to practice relaxation and visualization. These two principles are very important in overcoming shyness. So by practicing relaxation, you can do things like progressive relaxation exercises. If you'd like to to see more about that kind of exercise, you can look at the example that we have on our YouTube channel where it will take you through how to go through a progressive relaxation exercise. Once you have become relaxed and you become good at bringing yourself into a state of relaxation, the next thing to do is to begin to visualize taking the steps necessary to overcome your situation that makes you shy and anxious. And so what this is doing to your brain is that it's now it's now reprogramming your brain to think of the situation when you are relaxed and calm in to associate the, the the situation with being relaxed and calm instead of associating with being stressed and anxious. And as I said before, it's not a quick fix. It takes practice. But as you practice relaxation followed by visualizing the thing that you fear, you will find that you will get better at it. An experiment was done where people with no prior gymnastic experience visualize doing a simple gymnastic procedure for six days. And what they found is that the people who could vividly practice them, seeing themselves on the beam and doing this simple exercise, that these people, when they were actually put on the beam to do the actual uh, actual gymnastic uh, exercise, did much better than people who could not visualize themselves doing it. And so there you have it. I've given you six very practical steps with, with many sub, uh, steps in between that you can use to help you overcome your shyness. If you use these principles, it will work, but it takes time. 
You may also need a professional to walk with you and to keep you accountable. If that's the case, then reach out to us. We'd be happy to help you in your journey to overcome your shyness. We're quickly out of time today, so I want to thank you for joining us in this episode of the Life Transformation Show. And remind you that we are on the air every Monday morning at 9.30. If you're listening to this show via our YouTube channel, remember to subscribe so you can be notified of our weekly shows. If you're listening on air and have missed parts of this show, you can listen to the entire podcast by going to our YouTube channel. Elim is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. And our website is elimcounselingministry.com. If you would like counseling for any mental health or couple-related issue, just reach out to us and we'd be happy to help. So until next time, it's your host, Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services, praying that God would bless you in all your relationships and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart. Thank you.